Good morning. The Old Testament lesson for today is found in the book of Jonah, chapter 3, starting with verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, doing a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading for this morning is from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 29 through 31. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We may not um, really think about it much, but we really spend a lot of time in the gutter. Now, I'm not talking about the bowling alley. Uh, if you ever watched me bowl, you'd know I spend a lot of time in the gutter there. I'm not talking about the gutter at the edge of the street, although if you lost your wedding ring, you might spend a lot of time there in that gutter looking for that precious ring. When I say we spend a lot of time in the gutter, I don't mean the literal gutter. I mean the literary gutter. I didn't even know there was a literary gutter, but there is. The gutter is the space outside of the frame. Now, the frame might be the scene in a book or the scene of a movie, something like that. If you are into graphic no novels, where, which is kind of like a glorified um, uh, comic book, right? Uh, then it's all frames. Uh, the frame is something that is telling you, the author is telling you something about the story. And then the space around, in the margins, between the frames, above, around, that's all called the gutter. So let's say that you're writing a bestseller about a doctor who ends up saving people's lives in various interesting ways or something like that. And so in one scene, in one scene, the doctor's sitting there with his wife and says, turns to her and says, honey, I am hungry. And that's the end of that scene. That's all there is in that frame. 
So then the, the person that's writing the story would say, well, where do I want to enter the next frame? What can I skip over? What can I let the reader imagine for themselves? For example, do I need to then describe gathering your things together, leaving the house, locking the front door, opening the car door, getting in the car, backing out of the driveway? Obviously, you don't need to describe all of those things or your readership will just leave, right? Do you enter the next frame maybe where they are locking the car and walking into the restaurant? Or do you do it later? Do you do it where they're sitting at the table about to order? Or even later, do you do it uh, where they've finished their meal? Do you do it even later than that? Maybe they have left the restaurant. They're walking out and they say, what a, what a good meal that was. This is why this is our favorite place. All of those entry points would be fine for you because you as the reader can fill in all that happened in between. It's part of your experience, right? But it would not be good for the author to enter the next frame at the point where the doctor is giving CPR to someone in the restaurant. Because you can't fill that in for yourself. You don't know what happened, right? But maybe entering the frame as they're leaving the restaurant, the doctor says, oh, I forgot to leave a tip. So they both turn around and go back in and see someone having a heart attack or something like that. We're okay with that. We can fill in all of the getting to the restaurant, eating. We know what that's all about. But we need that other detail. So these are frames and all of the other stuff that we are filling in is in the gutter. There's a lot of life lived between the frames. There's a lot of life lived in the gutter. Mark writes, Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Now, we're also told it's soon after Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, has been arrested. John has said... Um, I must decrease and Jesus, he must increase, right? And in this frame of our reading today, we find Jesus walking along the Sea of Galilee and he sees Simon, he sees his brother Andrew there, and they're in the process of fishing, going about their daily vocation, and Jesus calls them to follow, and they do. That's one frame. Now I want us to go to another frame. And that frame is much later on. It's after a lot has happened. It's in fact in the book of Acts. And in this frame, Peter is standing with John and they are entering the temple to pray and in the crowd there, a uh, lame man is being brought in. And he's being set down here. This is his daily ritual being brought in at the time of prayer when people are coming to the temple so that he can ask for alms because he's been lame since birth. And Peter and John see this man. This man asks for alms from them and they fix their gaze intently on him and they say, look at me, Peter does. And then he says, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. 
In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And Peter takes him by the hand and lifts him up. And you know this because of the song and everything, but that man jumps up and he leaps around and he is so thankful and he goes into the temple with them. So that's the next frame. So we have these two frames. So now I want you to look at the, the bulletin insert there. I went and looked for some artwork that would depict these two frames. And here you see in the first frame a painting by the artist Duccio, if I pronounce that right. He's an Italian artist he, in uh, Siena, Italy. He was commissioned around 1310 to do some artwork for... Um, it was actually a backdrop for the altar in the cathedral there in Siena. And so he did this. It's, it's a huge uh, wooden structure. And he did about 50 uh, depictions on this, painted in tempera on wood. This is one of them. And this is a picture, of course, of Jesus calling Peter and Andrew. So here in this first frame on your page there, we have Jesus saying, I will make you fishers of men. Okay? And then in the panel to the right of that, we see a painting by the artist Raphael, and that was done in 1515, and it depicts Peter and John and the lame man at the entrance to the temple. And Peter is about to heal him and tell him about Jesus. So we have these two frames. <clears throat> I will make you become a fisher of men, Peter. And then in the next frame, here he is, a fisher of men, boldly proclaiming Christ. In the first frame, come follow me. And in the second frame, Peter is encouraging people to come and follow Jesus also. Don't we wish it was that easy? God creates faith in us, calls us to follow him, and now we are bold evangelists and bringing people to faith. And what we need to realize is that there's a lot of life in the gutter between these two frames. Right? A lot of events, a lot of experiences with Jesus that God is using to prepare Peter for that second frame. How is God working on Peter, that fisherman become follower? How was God working on him when he witnessed Jesus healing the leper? Or as Jesus forgave the sins of the paralytic man that was let down through the, the roof by his friends. And then just to show that he had the power and the authority to forgive sins, he went ahead and healed him too. He said, take up your mat and go home. How was God working on Peter as Peter saw Jesus walking on the water towards him and as, as Jesus calls him to get out of the boat and as Jesus reaches down and grabs him and saves him from drowning. How did God use the feeding of the 5,000 or the raising of Jairus' daughter from the dead? And of course there are failures too, aren't there? Peter trying to keep Jesus from going to Jerusalem and Jesus saying, get behind me, Satan. Peter cutting off the ear of the servant in Gethsemane. Or, of course, Peter denying that he even knows Jesus three times. 
How did God use the three years between the first frame and the second to mold and to shape Peter into what he wanted him to be? Not to mention Jesus' own death and resurrection and appearances after his resurrection, his ascension into heaven, the Spirit poured out at Pentecost. There's a lot of life lived in the gutter for Peter. And God was working in Peter, working on Peter through it all, shaping him for leadership in the church, giving him what he needed to do for the work to which God was appointing him. And Peter and the apostles were given a special anointing for the work they were to do. This anointing, of course, came when the Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost. The Spirit descended on them, filled them with power, boldness, to be Christ's apostles, to preach the good news. But what does all of this mean for us today, here, now? Well, through our baptism, we have been called to follow Jesus. And I have a frame there for you, don't I? On that page, I've got that picture of a baptism there. Maybe you were baptized as a baby, maybe as an older adult. But God called you to be his child. God gave you his Holy Spirit to dwell in you. And he has a purpose for you, just as he did for Peter. We see frames where God is using Peter. What does the frame look like for us? And of course, it's empty because we don't know. I don't know what your frame looks like. I don't even know what my frame looks like. And of course, we have different frames throughout our life. We're not just talking about one frame, right? We could have many frames. But it's blank on the page because we don't know what God's plan for us might be how he will use us in his kingdom, what opportunities might come for us, might he put in front of us to share his love, to be his hands and his feet, to forgive as he has forgiven us, to love as he first loved us. There's a lot of life that we're living right now in the gutter in the space between the frame of our baptism and the frame where God is using us. And of course, he uses us all the time. That's constant. He uses us every day in one sense. But there may come a time in your life when you realize that the life that you have lived in the gutter, the experiences that you have had, that God has put in your life, have prepared you for some special use. Maybe you're having a conversation with your neighbor and you realize that some of the things that have happened in your life are now benefiting this conversation with your neighbor. Maybe you'll never know how God is using you or has used you, but you can be assured that he is. He is using you. He has called you to follow, to be salt and light, to be a witness, and he will give you what you need for that work. 
If I were going to put one more frame on that page, it would be a beautiful painting that I saw of Peter being crucified. They're putting him onto the cross. And of course he's going to be crucified upside down at his request. I would put that there because that frame would give us perspective. This life is not forever. This life, this world, is passing away as Paul tells us in our Corinthians reading today. Peter was willing to die rather than stop telling others about Jesus. His life in the gutter, his life with Jesus in the gutter, had prepared him for that frame, for that moment, for that last great witness of his faith. And from our reading today, Paul writes, the appointed time has grown very short. The apostles, including Paul, believed that Jesus was coming back very soon, within their lifetime, maybe a month, maybe two months, maybe six months, maybe it's around the quarter, the corner. And of course, Jesus says, I'm coming soon. God doesn't count time as we do, of course, but he is coming soon. Paul says, from now on, let those who have wives live as though they had, as though they had none, those who mourn as though they were not mourning, those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. And Paul here is not speaking against marriage. He's not telling Christians to ignore their spouses. But he's encouraging us to see all of these things as forms of this world. Good gifts, yes. Necessary for life in this world, yes. Blessings, yes. Life in the gutter that is to be lived daily for Christ, yes. But don't let these things ever draw you away from Christ. Don't ever let them get in the way or interfere with your faith. Because the forms of this world are passing away. Jesus Christ has died for your sins. He has risen from the dead. He sits at God's right hand. He intercedes for you today, right now. God has called you to follow Jesus. And one day soon, Jesus will come to take you to himself. And in the gutter between those frames, God is working on you, working in your life. And he's with you there in the gutter. He's not just showing up once in a while in the frames. He's with you, giving you his good gifts, giving you his spirit. And I would encourage you this week as you go about your vocation to think about your life in the gutter. Maybe make some notes on this sheet. Maybe write some things down in the gutter there. What experiences, 
Good experiences, bad experiences, easy, difficult, full of joy, full of sorrow. What experiences is God using in your life to prepare you for what will be in a future frame? How is he molding you? How is he shaping you? How is he making you rely on him and his promises? Thank him every day this week for working in your life, for your Savior, and for his presence. And thank him for making you his child and for the coming opportunities that you will have to share Jesus and invite others to follow your Lord. In his name, amen. amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, Keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.